following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. Oh, Isaiah was one of the most holy men of all of the Old Testament. His prophecy in the 34th chapter of Isaiah is about a great judgment coming against all the armies of the world. Now, it has a dual application. It has a first and primary application to the enemies of of God's people the Jewish people. But then it has a secondary meaning as you read carefully through chapters 34 and 35 in context, you begin to see that he's also speaking about an end time where God will come and he will judge the nations and he will destroy their armies. He will take their power. And then it says the desert and the parched land will be glad and the wilderness will rejoice. There is something new coming. And God is going to deal with every form of wickedness, and he's going to remove it from the earth. Some will be by judgment, and some will be by grace in righteousness made righteous. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I have so much I want to share with you today. It will be uncomfortable for you. I give you a heads-up warning. I'm going to deal with some things that are very uncomfortable to deal with. So I warn you ahead of time. Pray and open your hearts and let God deal with your heart as I'm letting him deal with my heart. We find in this 35th chapter, After revival breaks out, after the eyes of the blind are being opened and the ears of the deaf are unstopped, God's grace is flowing in power. We find exposed there a highway, a highway of holiness. Now, we have made things so very complicated all of our terms. Many of you don't know what the term entire sanctification means. Many of you don't know even the simpler terms like redemption. They're foreign to you. Let me today make it very plain and very simple, but very sharp. And as I begin, I'd like to pray. Lord, I can't express the depth of your love and compassion and mercy for each one of us today and the call that is on your heart that we should leave the things of darkness and take to the highway of holiness and walk upon it 
in safety and security with your joy and your Holy Spirit bursting forth in our lives. Lord, would you come today? Would you touch every person listening to this broadcast and deepen in their hearts this work of grace? I pray in your holy name. Amen. The overall picture of the life of victory in Jesus is found in this 35th chapter of Isaiah. It's a highway, the highway of holiness. Now, the picture of this highway is that it's built up from the surrounding wickedness, the morass of the world. It's untouched by the wickedness and darkness, the evil that surrounds that highway. The highway is called the narrow way. Bunyan, in his book, describes it in Pilgrim's Progress as always being the straight way and never the crooked way. It is always the right way, never the wrong way. This highway is narrow, and it often takes us through very difficult times. Sometimes having to climb the steep mountain that it crosses over on our hands and knees. Now, no one is allowed to walk on this highway that walks in wickedness or sin. Let me read it for you. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those whose walk in that way and wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. The, only the redeemed will walk there. I want to make this very simple. There is a place for us to walk. Now, I don't care if you want to title this entire sanctification, which is a Wesleyan concept of walking without any sin. The Nazarenes also hold to this. Also, the Salvation Army, the Salvationists hold to this, that you walk clean before God. This is the highway of holiness, narrow, uphill. Now, if we get off this highway, and I'm going to talk about how to get on it, But first, if we get off this highway, there are great dangers on every side. But if we stay on this highway of holiness, no lion, no ravenous beast, no fool will be able to get on that road and bring you harm in the spirit realm. These unclean ones are barred from this walk. The unclean cannot walk on this narrow road that leads to Mount Zion, to the celestial city. This is constantly the theme that is outlined in Pilgrim's Progress. This is a narrow road, and fools will not walk on it. Now, the only way onto this highway is up a small, dark Forbidding Hill, the Hill of Calvary. 
It is the sort of hill we have to climb on our hands and our knees, especially our knees. If we are content with our present Christian life, if we do not desire with a desperate hunger to get onto this highway, we'll never get on our knees and thus never climb the hill. But if we are dissatisfied, if we are hungry for more of Jesus, then you're going to do what I'm going to talk about today that is absolutely necessary if you're going to walk on this highway of holiness. Now, please, I'm not going to hurry this broadcast. I'm not going to throw a lot of intellectual information at you. I'm concerned about you walking with Jesus. That's my only concern. I want you to let God make you really hungry for the highway of holiness, for a way that is clean and pure and filled with love and mercy and grace. I want you to let Jesus cause you to kneel before him with a great longing of heart. Sightseers will not get very far as they try to walk on this road. The word says, ye shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay. Let's be very specific for a moment. You're not happy with the walk you have with Jesus. You know that there is much more that he wants for you. I'm not happy right now with my walk with Jesus because I have not yet received the fullness of the baptism. But I'm not walking in any disobedience to Jesus. I am obeying him in all things. So this this hunger for me is being driven by the desperate need I see in other people's lives. And as I see the desperate need in other people's lives, I am forced to cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to fully minister to you who listen to this radio and to those I speak with personally. And because I feel so very inadequate to speak to others, I need that power of the Holy Spirit, and I am waiting and believing and standing by faith for that. But I want to come back to you, and I'll talk about how that's affected me. If you want Jesus, and right now, as you listen to this broadcast, you know that you are not right with Jesus. You know that you love him. You may even go to church and pay tithe. But you will go for maybe two or three weeks walking clean before God, and then back you dive into your pornography or fornication or alcohol or tobacco or lust or cursing. Whatever it is, yelling at your children, treating your husband with scorn, not respecting your wife, gentlemen, 
treating your wife with disdain as though she were ignorant and you were the great wise Boana. No, you cannot treat your wife that way and expect to grow in Jesus. He will deny you access to the throne. You will hinder any prayer you will pray if you are not treating your wife with love and respect as a person equal to you. You will hinder your prayers and God will turn his back on you. So how do we begin to get at this? Well, it's very simple. Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit will usually deal with one issue at a time. And he'll come to you and he'll say, you know the way you're treating your wife is disrespectful. He'll come to one and he'll say, you know you're yelling and screaming and jerking your children, and you know that's wrong. Or he'll come to you and say, why are you lying? Or why are you cursing? Or he'll come to you and he'll convict you that you should not be drinking that alcohol or smoking those cigars. He'll come to you and he'll say, turn off that television. I want time with you. Or he'll come to you with some aspect of your life. If you want more of Jesus... You must yield your heart on that one single point. And when you yield your heart fully to Jesus and repent of whatever it was that was behind that wickedness in your heart, if you will repent of that and renounce it in the name of Jesus and give it to him, he will take it from you. And now suddenly, everything begins to shift and change in your life. It is stubborn rebellion against God, against his Holy Spirit's word to you, that causes us to become lukewarm and cold-hearted and lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, be very frank, Some of you have rejected the word of the Holy Spirit to your heart for so many years that you have no area in your life that you're really concerned about. You're concerned about your money. You're concerned about paying the mortgage. You're concerned about the new car. You're concerned about this or that. But you're not concerned about your heart's condition before a holy and righteous God. And so the vengeance of God is going to come on your life. And you are going to be separated more and more from God. And you may still continue your religious forms, but that's all they are. And so now you're going to get all of your comfort out of the Eucharist celebration on Sunday. And you won't even go to a church that doesn't have the Eucharist every Sunday because somehow that's your binky. Can I tell you, there's nothing magical about the Eucharist. There is nothing magical about the Eucharist. It is for those who have entirely sold out for Jesus. 
It is for those who have made a covenant by sacrifice of giving their life to Jesus, have been crucified with Christ. And now it's a joyous celebration of the Eucharist. But if you get your rewards out of the prayer book and the Eucharist and the forms of religion, while denying the power of God in your personal life, you are not even a Christian, even though you may be very religious. Now, let's be straight up. There is a highway, and it is called the way of holiness. And if you're unclean, you cannot walk on it. And only the highway of holiness leads to heaven. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. He said, be holy because I am holy. How do I become holy? Not by white-knuckling it, not by trying hard for three weeks and then crashing and burning, but by utterly, totally, and completely giving my life over to Jesus Christ and yielding on that single point that he calls me to yield on. bowing my head in submission. And what will happen, John the 15th chapter, he said, remain in my rest. What's he talking about? He's talking about places in your life where the Lord has spoken and you have said yes and you have humbled your heart. Now that place becomes a place of rest in Jesus. When you say yes to the Holy Spirit and by supernatural power, he comes and removes that sin from your life, it becomes a place of rest in Jesus. Now, if that sin was not removed when you renounced it, you're still hiding something. It's not God's issue. It's it's still your issue. The repentance has to be true and deep. It has to be sincere. You must want Jesus. You must be hungry for Jesus. You must earnestly seek him with all of your heart. Now, you must you must come on your knees to Calvary. At the top of the hill of Calvary stands the cross. It is a divider of time and a divider of men. At the foot of the cross is a low door, so low that to get through it, one has to stoop down and crawl through it. It is the only entrance to the highway. We must go through it if we would go any further with Jesus. This door is called the door of brokenness. Only the humbled, only the broken, can enter the highway. To be broken literally means that I choose to bow my stiff neck, and it means not I but Christ. It means I will submit to Jesus on every issue that he raises for me, causes me to be conscious of. As I read the word, as I pray, 
the Holy Spirit will begin to do his work of washing and cleansing and breaking. But when we're sensitive to what other people say and we are easily hurt, when we get irritable and envious and critical, when we are resentful and unforgiving, when we are self-indulgent, all of these things spring from pride. And pride is really the essential issue I'm trying to talk about today. If pride were not in our hearts, we would humble ourselves before God. We would earnestly seek him because he is the only one who holds our life in his hands. He is the only one who can spread his love abroad in our heart. He is the only one who can bring us peace and joy. It is pride that stands in the way of humbling our hearts before Almighty God and bowing at the cross and allowing this crucified Lord to become our Lord. God must bend and break that stiff-necked, stubborn pride. And by being broken, I mean I give up all my rights before God and before man. It does not mean merely surrendering my rights to Jesus, but rather recognizing that I don't have any rights, except I deserve the fire of hell. It means just being nothing and having nothing that I call my own. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have possessions. I don't have position. Everything I have, I find in Jesus Christ. God brings us to the foot of the cross. And there he shows us what real brokenness is. We see the broken body of Jesus. His hands and his feet are are wounded and pierced for our transgressions. We see the face of love crowned with thorns. We see the complete, complete humility of the one who said, Not my will, but thy will be done, as he drank that bitter cup of our sin all the way to the bottom. So, if we want to be humbled, if we want to be brought to a place where we can enter this highway, we are going to have to look long and hard on Jesus Christ as he's on this cross. There's going to have to be a revelation in your heart of who God is. And you're going to have to understand that it was your sin that nailed Jesus to that cross. He would have died just for you. He did die for you. And when you see that love outpoured, when you see the brokenness of God, who died in our place, our hearts just begin to melt. And we want to cry, Oh, to be saved from myself, dear Lord. Oh, to be lost in thee, Jesus. Oh, that it might be no more I, but Christ that lives in me.
And there is no other prayer that God answers more quickly than this prayer. Now, if we look over here in Romans, and I'll turn there quickly. If we go to Romans, the sixth chapter, this is very familiar territory. I've spoken many times on it, but it's still absolutely essential that we understand what Paul is saying. He asks the question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, should we go on yelling at our kids? Should we go on abusing our wives or our husbands, treating them with disrespect and anger? Should we continue lying and cheating and stealing when it's convenient, when it seems to get us ahead? Should we continue diving into pornography? The only thing that can keep these sins from being removed from our life is pride. Paul says we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It's this new life that I want for you. I want you to walk on this highway of holiness with me. I want you to turn your back on all of the wickedness. And God always starts by identifying one thing, and he says, now give me that, please. And some people will spend years saying no to the Lord. So there is never peace in their heart because they don't want to give up that one thing. It's precious to them. It may be something that God calls you to do, someplace God calls you to go. Or it may be some sin that you are committing. And he pinpoints it. Now, if you have nothing like this in your life, you are in very serious trouble. And you need to get before God and say, Lord, I have so grieved your Holy Spirit that he no longer speaks to me. And ask, please, Lord, would you send your Spirit back to me and begin to tell me what I need to let go of until you are completely clean and have daily expressions of love with the Holy Spirit filled with his presence. I'm not talking about the baptism of Pentecost. I'm talking about the Ephesians 1 sealing with the Holy Spirit where he constantly walks with you and comforts you and directs your life. You see, the Holy Spirit comes in two ways. The Ephesians, the first chapter way, where we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, in Pentecost power. God wants, with all of his heart, to bring you into the fullness of his presence. But he has to start where you are. And if you're walking in any known or unknown sin, 
unknown sin being that sin which you have rejected time after time until finally you've just forgotten about it, the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to you about it anymore. He wants to talk to you about it. And he wants you to turn away from it. Now, where does revival begin? (laughs) Right there. Revival will begin in your life when you stop pressing away the Holy Spirit and saying no to him. And you finally say, okay, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. I take responsibility for this. You've asked me to stop using curse words. You've asked me to stop telling these lies. You've asked me whatever it may be. And you say, yes, Lord, revival begins in your life right there. Revival is simply obeying the Holy Spirit and being filled with his presence. And you begin to walk in great joy and freedom in the Spirit. This school of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit comes and leads us on the highway of holiness. And we walk in the freedom of the Holy Spirit in joy and love and peace. He says, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. In other words, the victory is yours. And you can walk on this highway of holiness. But don't imagine that you're only humbled one time. Ever after that humility of giving up your pride, you will have a constant choice before you day by day where God will bring his presence, pressure to bear on us, encouraging us to make the right choices. If someone hurts us or slights us, we immediately have the choice of accepting that slight or being angry about it and having the peace of God stolen from our hearts. We don't have to react to everything that happens around us or to us or the angry words that perhaps are spoken to us. We can return with a soft answer that turns away their wrath. Our attitude has to be totally transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus. And God will nearly always test us through other people. God's will is made known in his provinces. And his provinces are so often others with their many demands upon us. 
if you find yourself in a patch of pride. The only way is to go again to Calvary and see Jesus broken for you and answer the question, will I let go of my pride and my stubbornness? I've seen men live their whole lives with a stubborn, bitter heart, determined to do it their way, until finally they can stand it no longer. They can't stand themselves any longer. See, over the door of the broken one is the sprinkled precious blood of Jesus Christ. As we crawl through that narrow gate, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. Not only have we to bend to get through, but only the clean can walk in that highway. Now, you may never have known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've known him for years, but in either case, if you're defiled by sin, the sin of pride and envy, resentment, impurity, if you will give them all to him, who literally bore them on the cross, he will whisper to you again what he once said on the cross. It is finished. And your heart will be cleansed. So we get on the highway. It stretches before us, a narrow uphill road. And it is always bathed in light, leading toward the heavenly city, Mount Zion. Now, if you choose to step off this highway, to give way to your pride and your bitterness or your anger, you will lose sight of Jesus. And you will begin to lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the church, we've called this backsliding, where we begin to lose our first love. Why? Because we've not been taking the time to read the scriptures. We've been satisfied with the shallow and the cheap. Our hearts have become consumed by success, by all of the holidays, by all the busyness of life. And revival stops in our lives. We lose the love for others. We lose our concern for their salvation to the point that I have confronted men who've been in the church for years, and I've asked them in the last year, have you won anyone to Jesus? And they have smiled at me and shaken their head and said, no, that's not our gifts. As their church is aging and beginning to die because nobody will go out and win the lost because it's not their skill, it's not their gift. They are utterly deceived by Satan. If you have not won anyone to Jesus, 
you are in grave danger because there is such a pouring out of our love for the lost, the lost that are constantly around us in the grocery store, at the coffee shop, where we work, amongst our family members. There are so many who are walking in sin and wickedness and not on the highway of holiness. You cannot remain on the highway of holiness and not speak the name of Jesus Christ boldly to others. It is a requirement of the highway of holiness. So if you are not loving others and sacrificing yourself for them, if there's no struggling, no no tarrying before Jesus, no waiting upon him, then you need to come back and reconsider your place with Jesus. Jesus is willing to give you that wonderful life that he possesses. He's willing to give you his precious blood to cleanse you. He's willing to call you and enable you to live in complete oneness with him. Now, there's nothing spectacular about this life. There's not some great emotional experience that will always be present. It is just plain, day by day, living the life of Jesus as he intended us to live it. This is real holiness, walking in complete submission to Jesus and loving others and pouring ourselves out for them. We all make choices, and depending on the choices we make, that will determine where we will spend eternity. So let's say that today, Satan beside that road has agreed with you and opened a door of sin, jealousy, of resentment, of bitterness, of anger, of pride. And you know now that you either have to deal with it, but, oh, how can I deal with it? I'm right. Self-righteousness always rises up and defends the pride of our hearts. comes a place where we have to give up being right and instead be submitted to the Holy Spirit and do and say what he directs us to do and say, not defending ourselves, not pretending that we're righteous when we're not. Pride is filthy. So what's the first step back? To ask the Lord to make very clear to us what our sin is. And as you wait before him, as you read the scriptures, perhaps as you talk with your husband or your wife, you know, a husband or a wife can be very helpful in pointing out where we are messing up, 
if we're not too proud to hear their words of admonition to us. If we're not too proud, and if we don't lift up a stubborn neck against them. Or a friend. Perhaps if we ask them, they'll answer us honestly. And we can begin to identify what the behavior is that's causing the pain in our lives. You know the old saying, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. If you keep going to that bottle, you're going to keep getting drunk. If you keep chewing that tobacco, you're going to keep chewing that tobacco with all the results of chewing that tobacco. Sin always leads us into darkness, into separation from God. Maybe it was just that you were annoyed at somebody. You became irritated with your boss. The Lord wants you to see that it's not what that person does that matters. What matters is your reaction to it. If you're broken, if you're humbled, you won't be irritated. Instead, you'll be curious. You'll wonder about it. You'll find some way to help them and soothe them. When you see the Lord Jesus... You see him fully. You see how ugly it is to become proud and irritable and harsh. I still sometimes tend to jump very quickly to my defense and to my arguments. And then I have to go back to my wife and say, sweetheart, I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. I apologize. And until I do that, my way is blocked with the Lord. Jesus is always ready to fill your cup once more. As David said, my cup overflows. The desire of God is that we should walk in absolute peace, absolute love, absolute laying down our lives for others, winning the loss to Jesus by a demonstration of constant sacrifice and love for them. The greatest secret of this highway life is to wait upon Jesus. And as you wait on him, he'll identify what he wants you to let go of. Or he'll tell you, All of your sins are forgiven. I've washed you clean. Walk with joy this walk. And don't turn aside again. You have to know what to do with rebellion and pride and arrogance. And you have to understand and know that they're wrong, that they're not part of the kingdom of God that they're not who Jesus is or was. They are an aberration of the devil in our lives. It's not Jesus. Some of you today, as I share this message, 
and I'm just being prompted by the Spirit to address this issue. Some of you are very cynical. What do I mean? You have not ever been able to get past your favorite sin. And so you think that nobody else has ever gotten past their sin either. And so you look at everyone with a jaundiced eye. Pride. Cynicism is the worst expression of pride. It's when you don't believe in anything or anybody anymore. You must come to Jesus. Take the side of Jesus against your sin. Take the side of Jesus and humble your heart. Put it under the blood by saying, Jesus, I recognize this cynicism in my heart. I know it is wrong. It is pride. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. Now, would you begin to dig in my heart and in my life? Would you fully expose this sin to me? And I submit it to you, Jesus, and I will do whatever you ask me to do. Whoa, now revival started in your life. You're on the way. You see, you can't overcome your cynicism. It's not a self-help process. You can't overcome your pride. You can hide it. You can shove it down. You can't hide your discouragement and your lack of belief in Jesus. You can white-knuckle it. No, sin can only be dealt with by the blood. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that will break the power of sin in your life. And it's especially effective against pride and arrogance and hardness of heart. But you must decide to humble your heart. So the real test I'd ask you today, is your cup running over? Do you have the peace of God in your heart today? Do you have the love of God expressed in concern for the life of others? These two issues are the barometer of your walk on the highway of holiness. If sin is crept in somewhere, there will be self-pity, self-seeking, self-indulgence, sensitiveness, touchiness, self-defense, self-consciousness, shyness, reserve, worry, fear, and so on. Do you have the love of Jesus today in your heart? Are you sacrificing yourself for others? Do you have the peace of God? If not, get on your knees before God. Get serious with Jesus. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'd love to hear from you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I haven't heard from many of you the month of November. We're now into December. If you'd like to give, would you promptly act on what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do? Go to our webpage. All the information, the mailing address, everything is there. You can give online at nationalprayerchapel.com. 
This is a faith ministry, and we need your help. If this message was valuable to you and you'd like more, then give. Express your love. God bless you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.